Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello, fans of Shuklistan, and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics, and today, the World Games. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. Have you come down from dancing on the ceiling? All night long. I have to start with an apology to the, insi- in the, to the entire city of Birmingham. Because on Instagram, I I posted something about my confusion about Vulcan and Vesta. And and does that say Alabama to you? Well, I got schooled. (laughs) I got schooled about the industrial history of Birmingham and how they have a Vulcan statue. So I formally apologize to the city of Birmingham. I, I was not making fun of your history. I was making fun of giant foam gray mascots. And I have to say, they did grow on me as the week went on. And it definitely did. I loved that toothy grin she had. Yeah. And I really liked, once I learned about the history a little bit more and the Vulcan statue, I loved the fact that that's what the little gift was. It's very Birmingham. When the, the winners look at it, they'll be transported back to this place. Birmingham played well on TV. I mean, some of the venue areas were really cool looking. So I was very impressed with that. And it was just a fun game. And what we are having today is one of my new favorite show formats for us. It is a listener call-in show. And we have taken a whole bunch of calls from listeners and just great conversation about what they thought of these games, especially since we are such an Olympics and Paralympics focused show how this played to our little hearts. Take a listen. Hi, it's Jill and Allison from Keep the Flame Alive. Hi, it's Don from Massachusetts. First time in a long time. Hi, Don, how are you? Well, the timing worked out well for me because I am on my way to pick up my daughter from her daily gymnastics practice. And how is she doing with it? Great. Great, great, great. It's been a a great summer moving up to a new level and learning new skills that we would all recognize from television, which is kind of neat. Fantastic. Now, did Um, she watch any of the tumbling or the acrobatics? We haven't been able to do that yet. Summer is kind of a weird time around here. Four-hour practices every day and just trying to get through the day. We haven't had a chance to sit down and do that. We've been busy with other things. But we did watch the triple women's last night after practice, which was really exciting. Because she's actually quite interested in learning triple jump from a, a thing that they did at the end of the school year. So it was nice to be able to find some of that on television live and have my kid get engaged in a, in a live sport that wasn't the one that she actually does all the time. And the World Athletic Championships have been very exciting and a lot of fun. And this weekend was a little crazy for us. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you guys are all over the place with watching all sorts of things, I'm sure. Right. I didn't know which end was up. Go ahead, Jill. Oh, I was going to say, I'm trying to pull up the results because I, <laughs> I actually did catch a little bit. I, I caught the end of the triple jump competition 
and I'd forgotten how amazing. Oh, they uh, are really Rojas. Is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, Rojas, Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, she's just yeah. so amazing at the triple jump. And it was just really cool to watch her. And I do want to get a triple jumper on the show because that's the timing of that and trying to stretch farther in your jumping. Uh, the technique is really what I want to understand. Yeah, you know, I thought it was really interesting to... Um... I've never, I used to watch long jump a lot, but never really triple jump. And this is the first time I really thought about all the stress that must be on their hands and the balance and timing that's involved. And one of the athletes, I forget who it was, that might have been the Ukrainian. She kind of rolled her ankle at one point and had to bail out of a jump. And it was just like another one of those little details you don't necessarily think about. It's such a straightforward, you know, straight, straight, straight event. You don't necessarily think that there is. A little bit of wheel room in the left and the right. You've got to compensate for that. So it was, it was really fascinating to watch. And Rojas is quite the entertainment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I loved how she got the crowd going for her. <laughs> that was great. Right. So in that event, Shanika Ricketts from Jamaica got the silver, and Tori Franklin from the U.S. was yes. the bronze. Yeah, and she was great. Yeah, and the American crowd has been so Team USA, but not to the detriment of others. Like, they seem to be cheering who's ever really good. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, I think it's one of those things where they claim, they always like to claim that, oh, this is the, the most educated crowd in the sport. Yeah, they used to say that about, say that about a Yankee fan. Which I think <laughs> but, um, careful, careful. I'm a Yankee fan, so, yeah, it's all right. But uh, I think that, that's sort of the reputation that they have out in Oregon. That they, they know all these people. And they know who's good, and they know what they're seeing. So yeah, it's been it's been a, a great fun thing to watch. And Kelly on Fraser Price, I can't believe she's still smoking everybody. And yeah, the the, the men sweeping the hundred meters for the U.S. and the women's pole vault—it's all been great. Right, and and your daughter should definitely keep an eye on Shelly and Fraser Price just because she's so tiny. And I'm sure if your daughter, you know, knowing your daughter's a gymnast, they can absolutely. <laughs> take a look at the, the pocket rocket and say, wow, I can do that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's been really fun pointing out how strong all the women are. And that's good encouragement for any young female athlete at this point. Don. Anyway, that's all I got on track and field. But if you guys have called because I haven't been able to do it yet. And, and I'm so grateful for everything that you have done over so many years. Aw, thank you so much. I have, Thanks for calling. R, thank you. <laughs> and and good luck and uh, can't wait to hear it all right thank you bye Bye-bye. bye so book club claire has been out in eugene yes and she posted videos that your favorite little car i see the videos has returned so the little car it is not quite branded the same way it was in tokyo you don't have like the little ambulance or the little tokyo van but it does collect the shot put and bring it on back. I am very excited about that. I know I do want to go back and watch the men's shot put competition. I did see some of the women's shot put. I think they find that Peacock finally put up different streams for throws and for jumps and for running. And that's about time. Can we talk about feed beefs from World Games? Oh, sure. So the biggest feed beef I had was on the Olympics website. They had events and you could replay them. Great. Mm -hmm. 
so many of the playbacks would not work. No. It's, we cannot play this at this time. Uh, playback, experiencing technical difficulty, opening ceremonies, most of the tumbling. <gasps> it's like I could watch jujitsu if I didn't watch it live. Oh, you're kidding. So all those playbacks, and I did it over a couple of days because when we talked last time, I had missed the opening ceremonies and I said, oh, it's on, it's on these playbacks. And I tried for three days and I still couldn't get it to play back. I tried different computers and different browsers. So it wasn't me. It was them. That is frustrating. I also didn't realize that you have like a, a nine to 11 minute window where you could go back. Because during the tumbling, in one of the intermissions, they were showing the audience dancing. There was this girl who was the cutest thing. She was dancing like nobody was watching and then saw somebody was watching. <laughs> and her, she just kind of stopped and her eyes bugged out. I saw her. <laughs> she was so adorable. And then she waved a little bit, but she did not want to be on the Jumbotron. I think that was at the women's doubles acrobatics. They had the trio. Sorry. Oh, it was the trio? They, yeah. And and yeah, the the them the women's trio and the men's pairs. But the, she was just so adorable. <laughs> so which which leads me to my next question for you. Mm -hmm. Are you a base or are you a flyer? Oh, I'm a total base. See, I'm a total flyer. We are ready. <laughs> when can I start doing handstands on your head? I was just gonna say, let me get my neck strengthened up. And okay, so I do want to know who came up with the idea of one guy says to another guy, "Hey, how about you do a one-armed handstand on my head while I sit down and stand up and maybe do the splits too?" And maybe you can move your body around and do the splits and angle it in all sorts of fun ways. And this will be a sport. What's so interesting to me is when I was in gymnastics as a kid, it was artistic gymnastics. That was it. That's all the options were. Having seen all these other disciplines, I'm so amazed. And I wish I had known about them. The double trampoline, the aerobics, the acrobatics, because it's the same. You know, if you love tumbling, if you love vault, if you there's so many places to go. Also made me think, I think the Olympics may have the wrong gymnastics disciplines in them. Uh, well, you say that diplomatically. I say, get rid of rhythmic, put in tumbling. Oh my gosh, that was exciting. I And I think the reason is because the FIG, the Gymnastics Federation, is so Eurocentric. And rhythmic gymnastics is so Eurocentric. And tumbling and doubles trampling, a doubles trampoline, were not. Yeah, <laughs> they were more global. Yes, a lot more South Americans, Australians. New Zealand was in the finals. Nice. Go Silver Ferns. And she did very well. I think she got the silver. And hopefully a fern. Go Silver Ferns. It, and much easier to understand. Yes. And much easier to see why it's a sport. I'm sorry, rhythmic gymnastics, because I think of it more as an, of an art. But seriously, tumbling, I, I mean... Because the story that I know, and I, I think I'm correct in that rhythmic gymnastics is in to give equal number of medals between men and women in the gymnastics sport. Correct. Because men have 
more apparatus in artistic gymnastics. Yes. However, no artistic gymnast is doing rhythmic to get the extra two medals and vice versa. It's, it's gender equity of medals, but it doesn't actually create gender equity in the sport. No, no, because one man could still potentially win all six medals and one woman could not win six medals. She could either win four medals or two medals. If you're doing individual, whatever. I know, I know I'm getting the count off because there's team event and all around and blah, blah, blah. But there's there's whatever number of medals. There's, But by golly, you could get an artistic gymnast to do a tumbling pass. I'm sure, oh, sure. they would love that. And I'm also wondering why the particular trampoline event that's in the Olympics versus what they call double trampoline. It's sort of like vault, but without the horse and with the trampoline. Right. Cause I saw like one or two of these, like just in a, in clip montages. So I went, what, what did they do for trampoline and haven't gotten a chance to go back to it because that looked kind of cool. So what you do is it's a, a ramp-shaped trampoline with a flat side. So there's a flat part and a ramp part. You bounce on the ramp part. You do a flip. You land on the flat square part, and then you do a dismount. So it's basically doing a mount and a dismount. So you do two tricks. Which is also kind of cool and relatable to artistic in a way that trampoline is not. And easy to understand and not much scoring controversy. Because again, each trick has a difficulty score, and then there's an execution score. It's, there was no discussion of scoring controversies this whole time. I didn't hear any gymnastic scoring controversies at the World Games. Huh, did you watch Rhythmic? I did watch Rhythmic. Oh, and nothing there either? It seemed, well, the Russians weren't there. <laughs> uh, as I was saying that, I was like, well, the the Everinas weren't there. And that may be where half of the controversies come from. Big powerhouse in rhythmic that's emerging, Israel. They won the gold medal in Tokyo. And wow, do they have a bunch of young kids coming up just looking amazing. Going back to gender equity, can we talk a little bit about softball? Yeah, we can talk about softball. Okay, so the World Games has softball. They had the women's softball match. The gold medal match was a rematch from Tokyo between USA and Japan. USA team has turned over a lot. A lot of those players who had stuck around for 12 years were gone. Some were still there. It was a fantastic game. The crowd was packed. Listener Brittany was there and said... It was the fullest stadium she saw at any event. And it got me thinking, why is softball hamstrung to baseball when it comes to Olympic inclusion? Why can't we have softball without having baseball? Is it that one federation needs to provide men's and women's at this point? Which, I, I mean, then you can go, hey, artistic swimming, what's up with you? But maybe that's something I'm writing down. Maybe that's part of the rules of getting into the Olympics now is that it has to be gender equal. And then the problem is that world baseball is not the same as world softball. 
Right. I mean, because baseball has the major leagues in the United States and they have a major league in Japan. Olympic baseball is never going to be the best baseball you see in the world. Right. We've had this conversation about soccer as well, that we want the Olympics to be the pinnacle for that sport. But if you have softball, it would be. And you've got a lot of countries coming up with some pretty good teams, say Canada, Japan. It was very competitive in Tokyo. And certainly in the past, we've had many men's sports that do not have a women's sport equivalent, Nordic combined. So why can't we have a women's sport that clearly is popular in a lot of places in the world and would continue to grow and and was such a hit in Tokyo? I mean, what great competition that was and what great co- competition again at the World Games. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I that game they actually showed on TV here in the States. So it was on CBS Sports. I did catch some of it but the crowd was electric the play was phenomenal because it really was I mean the U.S. scored all their runs on one hit one incredible hit and they held Japan just to to a couple oh we've got another call Mm -hmm. hi it's Jill and Allison from Keep the Flame Alive Keep the Flame Alive yes who is this his name is Brian Carberry. Oh, Brian! Don't be so shy about it, Brian. We're you're part of the family. How are y'all? <laughs> so, how was how was your trip to Birmingham? I had a good time. I'd been to Birmingham before. Kind of grew up uh, in the uh, Alabama, West Georgia area. So, five revitalization of some areas of town. Yes, so Birmingham's going through a little revitalization process? Right, it's definitely, it it, it seems like a city kind of where they've done a lot of revitalization of the downtown and East Alabama area, where some of the, I guess, industrial sites have been kind of turned into condos and bars. You've seen this, I'm sure, in other cities, uh, it's kind of neat to see that. It was very hot at this time of year in Birmingham. So I was very happy to transition from some of the outdoor venues. See, it was to get around. You are very close to one another. And unlike the Olympics where there's often logistical things with parking and transportation and long lines to get through security and you have tickets and you have to plan in it. I think the fact that it was well attended but not events were sold out, it was kind of very easy to just drive to a venue and then if it ended you could look at the schedule and say well this place is only about a mile away or even across the street and I can't go there and buy a ticket on my phone and go to that event if I want to so I found it very accessible compared to most multi-sport events I've ever been in terms of the proximity of a lot of the venues and the ability to kind of just go from one place to another I think some of that was just smaller than things like the Olympics in terms of people attending and so forth. But it was also a lot of the events were very close together. So did you discover something you didn't know you were going to love? My thought process was to try to go to events that were kind of had a long history like squash or billiards or tug of war 
and that I thought have been around for a long, long time. But I kind of enjoyed seeing some stuff. I went to billiards on a bit of a lark, and it was kind of interesting. I didn't know anything about three-carom pool when I got there, but I wound up sitting, and it was sort of the table in front of me. And I found this was true at a lot of events. And this happened also at beach handball, which I kind of is like team handball, but different, where you sit down, the people around you kind of, when you're first there, are saying things like, do you know anything about this event or how it works or what the rules are? Have you ever seen this before or played it? And usually within five or ten minutes, we've kind of determined that each of us knows maybe something about it, but not very much and are mostly just there to see what it's about. And what I loved about it was within ten minutes of most events, you could tell you were watching world-class practitioners of these events. Like, it took me a few minutes to figure it out, like it's a billiard. But once I figured out what they were doing in three-carom pool, it didn't take me long to realize these guys are really good at this. And I think that's one of the more beautiful things about going to something like this event. We can see just people who have mastered their craft for sports. Now, were you at the billiards game for SodaGate? I was. Apparently, I was. And I vaguely remember hearing someone open a soda. But it seemed like that that venue was extremely quiet, almost locked. That's quiet. But... There was also this aspect of it where you had nine ball and you had snooker and you had the three ball carom all going on at the same time. And these are different events that often take different amounts of time. So, for example, I remember the nine ball ended and people were clapping and a lot of people were there to see that because that's the sport, you know, the billiards most Americans are familiar with. And people were getting up and leaving. There was a lot of motion. I remember the announcer came in. And up to that point, I didn't even know it was an announcer. Um, I please be quiet. We were still other matches going on because there was a commotion. I do recall at one point being someone, it sounded like periodic someone would drop something on the ground in the bleachers area. Or I do vaguely recall someone opening, I guess, what was a soda after the fact, after I saw your post about it. And the phone went off. I know a few just came over to the uh, bit. There were several signs about do not live streaming this on uh, Twitter or on any other social media. And so it seemed like that was just part of a bigger thing of really like there was, you know, there was sort of this decorum. No one should say anything or make any noise at any time. So I guess that that was one thing that caught someone off guard. And uh, apparently they complained about it. But, well, we do it wasn't me. I wasn't drinking soda. We we do appreciate all the things that you streamed of people cleaning the squash court. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was great. I mean, it, what I loved about it is after each match, there was about a 15 or 20-minute break between, like, the bronze medal match for women, and there was maybe a 20-minute break, and then a bronze medal match for women, and so on and so forth through the medal round. And between each one, it was almost a team of cleaners and Swiffer and so forth would just descend on this court because throughout the match, people are slamming against the wall and, you know, they're burning and so forth. And there's people falling on the ground and people wiping their hands against the glass, touching the glass and run into it and so forth. And so it was like this army of Windex 
and uh, towels and slippers that came out between each one. So that was great. And I thought definitely that would be the volunteer job for the cleaners amongst us. <laughs> you got to go to flag football. What was that like in person? Well, that was one of those ones where I planning on going, but then the tug of war ended and I kind of looked down and a lot of people around me said they were headed that way because the Legion field was only about a mile away from where they had the tug of war or maybe two miles and it was an easy just to drive right to the stadium and walk in. I think the thing that surprised me the most sir, was how small the field is relative to this is a large college football stadium in the southeast United States and the, there were like two black football fields on one American football-sized field. So that kind of took me aback at first. And there might have been several thousand people at the event. Of course, it doesn't look that way because the stadium holds tens of thousands of people. But uh, certainly a very pro-American crowd. A lot of people in the crowd very into the sport. I got the feeling a lot of people there had kids or they were kids who played black football which I understand at this point and you know, youth football is what people play until like the middle school or high school level in a lot of areas of the country. So there was a lot of understanding of the game, support, a lot of people that were very behind. The NFL had a big presence there. There were a lot of people there that looked like or were involved in some way with the NFL. I know they were trying to promote this game heavily, which kind of was part of the other aspects of the world games in general where you kind of had the feel, you know, I've been to a number of multi-game type events like this, but I hadn't been to one in about four or five years. This had a bit of a trade show aspect where there's the event going on on the field. There's the athletes competing, the camaraderie, which you see at things like the Olympics or the past the Goodwill Games or other events I've been to. But there was also sort of what you see on the sidelines and the stands and a little bit just as you were going about town of people trying to actively promote and put on a show and show, look, we as a federation or we as an organization can bring together this and put this product on the field and this the Olympics and kind of trying to sell the program, if you will. And as black football, I got a very strong vibe that a lot of that was going on around me. So, you know, and now no particular conversation, snippets of, you know, this would be great on TV or this would be, you know, isn't this great that, you know, we are – in a multi-state program where there's a lot of opportunity here. And I felt like that was what was going on at a lot of sports throughout the game. So that was something that was interesting and different about these games that I don't know that I knew a lot about, but I was glad to go and see some of the events and learn about them. Yeah, flag football is making a big push for LA 2028. So that makes sense. Oh, yeah, they were. they definitely were there. Now, listener Brittany was also at the gold medal games for flag football and thought that the game suffered a bit from lack of real competitiveness because you could really tell that the U.S. men were and the Mexican women were just dominant and there's not a ton of competition. Did you feel the same way? Well, I did. And certainly in the game before that, I know in the women's bronze medal game was a bit of a, a blowout through the first half and it felt like that the team that won the bronze uh, just was kind of hanging on because they built a big lead. And, and I think that's true to a certain extent. That was something that I think is an issue with a lot of the sports that are at the World Games, where there's two, maybe three nations that are like participating at an extremely high level 
it's the same two or three countries. And then when you get to the teams that are in like buying for the fifth and sixth place and seventh and eighth place, there's a noticeable and very big drop off in the level of competition. I do know when I went to the beach handball, it seemed like the bronze medal games were both relatively blowouts relative to the gold medal games, which were both for the men and women extremely close hard-fought affairs right down to the very last second. And I think that's something that's true of a lot of the sports and maybe something that keeps some of them from moving on to the Olympic level or to another level from where they are in the world games right now. Yeah, it makes me think, I think korfball was another one that's like that, where the finals were, I think it was Netherlands and Belgium again, and Germany was fighting it out for third place, but I think Chinese Taipei won the bronze medal and it's just kind of like oh where are these countries that we can try to get involved in these other sports to to spread them around because otherwise it does it just becomes regionalized and it's not interesting on a world level right i mean i think lacrosse was like that it was usa versus canada and usa versus canada and again north america and not so much in other parts of the world so you know, I think that was true of a lot of sports, and I think you saw that in flag football. Even the teams that were from Europe and other areas in flag football were mostly people who were raised and played football in the United States as youth, but through dual citizenship or marriage later in life or now citizens or have citizenship in both countries. There were a lot of players on teams like that as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for all those photos. They were fantastic. Well, it's good, and I'm I'm really happy to share that. Uh, kind of spent a lot of my youth in that area of the country, so it was good. I, I actually went to the Olympics at Legion Field when they had the soccer there in 1996. So it's good to bring that around and see the flag ball there all these years later. And and I'm glad I know some other uh, listeners were there and were able to post. And I'm glad people got to go to a lot of different things and wanted to say also that I thought there was a year postponement, but I thought Birmingham did a really good job of pulling off these games and a lot of the uh, business community came together to support it. And it, you know, overall, I think it was a very positive experience for the athletes that came and, and I enjoyed it. And it was a lot more than I expected. So it was a very positive experience all around. Excellent. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for making our experience at home more positive as well with all of the stuff you let us know. And well, thanks for being my breaking buddy. Yep. Breaking, <laughs> breaking is breaking. <laughs> Just gotta enjoy it for what it is. All right, Brian. Thank all right. you so much. Have a good evening. Thank, thank you. you too. All right. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, it's Dylan Allison from keep the flame alive. Who's this? This is Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Oh, Doing well, Allison. Doing well. So you... Well, thanks for calling back. You got yourself around to everywhere in Birmingham. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a fun time. And I went to the Olympics in 2012, and I still want to go to the Olympics, but there was just something, like, innocent, and you get to, there's an intimacy to it, too, with the World Games. It really was. It was fun. That's what I would describe. It's fun and intimate. And you made some Czech friends... Yeah, that was the cool thing, just meeting athletes in general. But there was one image. I wish I took a picture of it, but I was sitting in front of the Czech team, and then the next matchup in Korfball was Suriname, 
And so there's like a couple of Suriname players next to me. And then just as about many of the leave their seats, they get, they take, they were, they were offered some popcorn for the Czech women's lacrosse players and they took it. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's the spirit, you know? In, international diplomacy, popcorn style. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the venues weren't super crowded. Some were more crowded or they had not that big of a seating area. So it looked pretty crowded. But I bet for a lot of these sports, having this kind of audience was pretty good for them. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people watch corfball in person or jujitsu in person or billiards in person. But I, I, I'm a guy that like goes in early. So I was probably one of like the first people there. But in terms of like the events I went to, I would say about 80, 85 percent full. Oh, that's good. Let me, yeah, let me think. Yeah, Mount, yeah, sports climbing was pretty much full. All the events I went to, pretty much full. Maybe the one that was probably the weakest was probably jujitsu and court ball. But even then, it started to fill up as the day went on. I think it's partly because people had those day passes and they just like casually just walked in. <laughs> nice. How was sport climbing out in the heat? And which which event did you see? Yeah, I saw bouldering, and I wasn't a fan of it in the Olympics. I don't think the Olympics did a good job as a TV product, but in person, it was amazing and fun. Yes, it was hot and humid, but we all dealt with it. But no, it was a great experience. That, that surprised me the most out of all the events I went to. What made it more fun in person? Oh, I think the crowd was really into it. I think it was explained very well by the PA announcer, and... A lot, a lot of these events, the PA announcer is very critical in terms of determining how well it's how well the the crowd engagement is, because a lot of people are going to these sports not knowing what it is. It's not like baseball or basketball or football where ninety five percent, ninety nine percent of the audience knows what's going on, and you can have no PA announcer. But at these events, these PA announcers are critical in terms of explaining the sport. And also, there's a lot of downtime in a sport like bouldering. Yes, but actually, actually when I went to it, there was almost no downtime. Once the guy started going, like the first competitor, it's pretty much action, action, action. That's what I liked about it too. Once the first competitor went on, the only downtime was pretty much the end when, it, when, when the guy's finished. Huh. And I wonder if you feel more of the tension and more of the athlete trying to solve the problem in person than you do on TV? Oh, you do. Oh, in person you do. Because you see them sort of sink, and then when they start going up, you can see it like, you can see the expressions a lot more, and I think they feel it from the crowd as well. As an in-person product, it's much better than TV. TV doesn't do it justice, and that's unfortunate. Interesting. And plus, I like watching multiple things at once. I mean, we all, a lot of us, we see like four at the moment, we see like four going out at the same time, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like a split screen right there with no split. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, and, it, and, it, and it's like when the P announcer says, keep the energy going, because like when someone may, else makes it, there's like another guy who's like really cool. So, but yeah, that's what I liked about it too. And I don't know if TV, did TV do it, did, did, did Tokyo do it justice if they showed if they have like multiple people going out at the same time and bouldering? I don't remember. I, I think 
I saw the speed, and I'm not sure I saw bouldering. Although I do remember out of the new sports, it was my favorite. Because I thought the announcers did the best job out of all of the new sports of explaining what was going on. So you're right. It is it is critical to have good in-house PA. Yeah. It's critical to have good feed commentary, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there was a couple of venues, unfortunately, where they did not explain it very well. And that was jujitsu and billiards. Well, well, both of those events, you had two different forms of the, the game going on in front of you. Billiards, it was actually the gold medal matches, so it was just one. Okay. But still no explanation. I mean, thankfully, I did some research, and then I it was fun explaining it to like other fans. Like, okay, here's what you're going to watch. <laughs> and then, but with jujitsu, yeah, there's no explanation, really. They did like this little two-minute intro of like what the sport is, but they didn't tell exactly what we're looking for, how the scoring is and stuff, so... That was no fun. And I could tell it was like awfully quiet. Huh. Like basically, unless you're like cheering for like, unless you're like a rooting interest, like from other countries, I could tell the audience was like sort of like quiet and confused exactly what they're looking for. Interesting. And good learning lesson. Did you have an officiating or volunteer job you would like to do? I like the sweeping from sumo. Also, I wouldn't mind in bouldering. The, they wipe the, the rocks. With the long stick. Oh, that's right. My, they do have that big towel on the stick, and they wipe them on. Yeah, that's a good job. Yeah, I know. And then also in court ball, which I've seen in basketball too, the the the, the sweepers. Excellent. Yeah, so I, I like that. What else? I don't think this is a volunteer job, but like getting off the arrows in archery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You saw that because I saw you on the feed. I knew I was next to a camera, but I don't know if. I don't know if I wanted to like ham myself up and be like, hey, yes, <laughs> maybe get like a or maybe next time if you know any of us are going, we should have like a I don't think it would have been allowed like a keep the flame alive banner. <laughs> just wear a T-shirt. Yeah. Wear one of our pins and just put it close yeah. to the camera. <laughs> yeah. That archery event was really cool with the shooting the arrows in three or four different directions and three yeah. or four different goals with how you shoot that. And that was one of the events that I really enjoyed because it was different. I know with the archery, what I liked about it too was they use it, it like archery places like in the Olympics or you, it, it doesn't make use of like the natural elements, but there they like, you like shot. I like how they just shot over the lake. That That's was really cool. Really, yeah. And that really That's, gave it a nice look on television. It made it interesting to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And just being close by as well. I mean, yes, it, it was funny, though. It was hot there, too. But then I had a good experience. I haven't shared on the Facebook group page. I was sitting next to a British archer, and we just started talking. And then at the end, I took a picture with him, and he's like, oh, here's a pin. I'm like, <gasps> whoa. He gave me a Great Britain look archery pin. Nice. Score. Yeah, yeah. So, Excellent. and then I just I, you know, and I asked him straight because because a lot of the barebow, I was at barebow. They only have like three competitions, pretty much: world championships, world games, and European championships. Huh. They don't have the World Cup circuit. Yeah, that's too bad because it's a really cool event. And yeah, and it was interesting seeing how it's like different than the Olympics, where it's like the ends and stuff. How how this one was more like you know like traditional scoring. Or one bad arrow hurts you much more. And I like both. I like both. I think archery, I, I went to archery in the Olympics and I think, and I went to archery here too. And 
I like both experiences. I think it's one of those sports where I would like to go again in person. Nice. But yeah, archery, but yeah, the archery was hot. And I was talking to someone else because I was a tug of war. They're talking about how like maybe what the world games should have done is they should have built a canopy over like the whole stand. Yeah. Yeah. They should have done that. But lessons they learned. And it was going to be like 90, 95 degrees humidity. <laughs> yeah. Paris, I hope you're listening. Right? Yeah. I hope. I'm, well, I'm assuming that the Olympics will have better facilities. One of the things we talked about is the World Games do not build new facilities. You use existing no. facilities. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know that the World Games is existing facilities. Yes. And and that's one of the reasons why not every sport that could be in the World Games is in the World Games because it depends on what they have in the area. So if you have some place like I, I think surfing is in the World Games, but it definitely was not in this edition because there's no place to surf in Alabama. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the closest to surfing would have been maybe the Gulf of Mexico, but that's about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, that, but then the Olympics, they go to Tahiti for crying out loud. Yeah. Well, they could have gone to the Gulf Coast. Yeah, the World Games doesn't do those kind of shenanigans. No, no. <laughs> did What was the, besides being in the venues, did they have any other like fan zone type stuff or any other things around that made it feel like you were in a multi-sport event town, city? No, no, no I mean, um, which was nice. But no, not really. Hmm. I mean, you could actually. I, I, once you're outside the venue, you would have. You really wouldn't know that there's like this like big time event. Maybe like the the signs and stuff like that. And huh. did, I'm surprised they didn't have like because when I went to London, every venue had like oh you can buy souvenirs here and all that stuff. Nope, not at the World Games. It was only at the Plaza they were selling souvenirs. Huh, that's really interesting. And, and some places they didn't have like like food. I don't know, they had food, but not, I mean, I mean, like, they had, like, snow cones and stuff, but not, like, food food. That's interesting, too. Yeah, they had, like, food trucks, but then some places, like, the closest thing for food inside the actual barrier was, like, a snow cone. Or, because, like, when, for example, at archery, I asked, is there food food? Like, even, like, a hot dog? And they're like, no, the only ones we have are, like, for soda and a snow cone. I'm like, okay. So I went outside, got some food. And then I was trying to bring my tacos in. They're like, you can't bring that in. So I ate outside, right outside the barrier. (sighs) So it depends on the place. Yeah. Yeah. But still, it sounds like you had a great time. We loved seeing your pictures and videos and all your posts on Facebook. That was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny how, and I experienced this in London, it's funny how like once you're at the World Games or at the multi-sport events, you're not watching the stream. So you're like sort of in this bubble. So it's a definite experience than like you guys watching on the feed. But you know, and each of them are cool in their own way. As we we found out when we were in Beijing, it was weird not to be able to see every sport, yeah, or as many sports as possible. But it was still cool to be there and yeah. feel that energy. That there's something that you only get from being in a venue and watching it live. Absolutely, I was saying I forgot who I was saying this to, but I know you guys were thinking about going, but decided not to you guys would have had it would have been a 180 i mean i think it would have been almost like a 180 experience from beijing <laughs> in terms of the experience well we would have actually gotten to talk to people yes and, and been allowed to walk places yes you, that yeah, would have been awesome much, yeah 
pretty much any, and you would have gotten, you could have gotten anywhere to go. Athletes are very accessible. Like, well, yeah, like I was, like, uh, like they're accessible to me. So, yeah. 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 You know where we would have walked, Allison? Right in the middle of the orienteering course. Oh, my God. <laughs> Probably would have and been like, oh, excuse me, do you need some help finding something? Excellent. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for calling in and thanks again for making the World Games fun. Oh, thank you for creating an environment where we could share stuff like this, especially like me, where it's like I'm like the only one who knows about it and stuff. And it was also like to say a shout out to to Brittany and John as well, and also to, to, to Brian and Emily for creating that, for sharing as well. I, I tried to. I, I contacted Brian and Emily. I, our schedules couldn't meet up, but still, it was it was great meeting some of them. And I know 2024 will be great too. Next, so yeah, excellent. Yeah, it was fun to see that every, people, fan, listeners, got to meet in person. That one, that made me happy. Thank you so much, Thanks. Patrick. Uh, thank you. Thank we'll you talk still. soon. Yeah. All right, later. Bye bye. So this is a perfect time mm-hmm. to say, join the Facebook group. Because you'll get everybody's pictures. Yes, because the Facebook group was hopping all throughout the World Games. And then Book Club Claire went to Eugene for the World Athletics Championships and started sending stuff back. And that was really cool as well. So then we started having a little bit of athletics talk in there. Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. Hi, it's Dylan Allison from Keep the Flame Alive. Who's this? Hi, this is John Shelley. How are you doing? Very well. How are you? Doing good. I'm recovering from the trip to Alabama. Yes. So how much weight did you sweat off in the heat? You did a lot of outdoor events, (laughs) it looked like. I don't know. Well, I ate so much junk food. I'm not sure I actually lost any weight that way. I felt like (laughs) I was more sweat and sunscreen than anything for certain parts of it. It's just like that afternoon sun. And you're out in, like, these bleachers, there's no shade. Bleachers are scorching hot. And, oof, it was rough. But then one cloud would come, and it wouldn't be too bad. But sometimes, sometimes it was pretty tough. So, overall, what'd you think? It was great. I went down with a friend. We went down for a little over a week. We saw 27 sports. Whoa! And... Did you yeah. sleep? And, and uh, yeah, actually, the way it was set up, it wasn't too hard. Like, very few of those were actually, like, cursory stops. A few of them were just ended up being really quick. But we had those day passes. We didn't like, get up and go every morning, but we something happened every morning. And most things we went to for an hour and a half, two hours, and things would be next to each other. So it really wasn't too hard now. Days were long. <laughs> we got a little tired. But, but we had Full days, it didn't feel like we were really just running all over the place. It's just seeing things to check boxes. What did you see that surprised you? What did I see that surprised me? I would say, I mean, a couple of things we saw inline hockey and floorball, and I kind of thought both of those would be like watching ice hockey, but worse. And I'm not sure that's really the case. I think both were to watch that were slower than ice hockey, but then you saw a lot more like stick handling. I think maybe watching them in person makes it better. I don't know if I would trying to watch them on TV might uh, kind of expose the differences, but both of those I kind of went in thinking they would be uh, not that great and both were fun. Um, we saw a canopy piloting, which I thought might be a terrible spectator sport and instead was really fun to watch and wild. And I, I wasn't sure what we'd actually see. Instead, those people like come down on the parachutes right in front of you and zoom right by like it sounds wild, uh, like audioly like zoom as they go by and do their tricks right in front of you. And that was uh, 
I was really into some of the more wild things I've seen. Can you tell us about that? Because I haven't, I don't know if it's on a feed yet, and I haven't been able to see it. What is canopy piloting? So it is a parachuting skills competition, basically. And they have four disciplines, and all of them involve getting in a helicopter and jumping out of a plane. So we watched a lot of people getting into a helicopter and a helicopter taking off, and then six minutes later, somebody was jumping out of a plane, out of the helicopter above us. And so they have this, like, pond that is set up with, like, a long rectangular pond. And for each discipline, they come through and drag their feet in the water as they're landing to slow down. But then what they do is different depending on the discipline. We saw one that was accuracy, which involved them dragging their feet to slow down and then trying to land in a little box. And however close you got to the box, you got more points. If you land right in the middle of it, you got 100 points. But if you're off a little bit, you got zero points. Uh, We also saw one that was a speed competition where they set up these, it wasn't like really a slalom course, but it was a course with with, um, uh, these things that had to go around with a little bit of an angle. So it wasn't just a straight line. They they had to drag their feet at a certain part. There are certain places they made sure they were still dragging their feet or they were low enough to register. But then they went through the course as fast as possible. So the winning time was like two and a half seconds through this, this short course. They also do a freestyle one. We didn't see that with like these little tricks all along the water as they land. And they do a distance competition where they have to drag their, their, their feet at a certain place and as far as possible way down the field. And they score each of these. You get, if you finish first, finish first, you get one point. You finish last. There are 34 competitors. You get 34 points. They did each of those disciplines three times over the course of many days and added up the points and got a winner. So because it took so long, like actually following the event would have been very tough because it took many days just having weather delays and things. We showed up twice in the mornings and just had it delayed and went off and did other things. But as, as an actual spectacle, it was uh, it was really cool. They had a, I also had a really good in-stadium announcer who goes around calling air sports, it sounds like. So he knew what he was talking about and that was really really helpful. I guess one, one other wild thing about it is they jumped three or four at a time so they'd all get in the helicopter and then you would hear they would blast the whistle, three whistles when they jumped out and you'd look up and you couldn't find them, you couldn't find them and suddenly there's little parachutes up in the air and before you know it, they're down and they would land one at a time, it'd be a whistle when someone was about to land, they go do their trick and they'd have to like jump off real quick because the next guy was like right behind them and it was like you get a full landings in 90 seconds or something and then that was it and then until the next guy got it. Man, this is one of those sports that I think, how did they come up with this? Yeah, I don't know. A bunch of people who uh, are professional parachutists and then... Uh, or former <laughs> military. ...in their lives or something. Yeah, I think a lot of them, it sounded like, work for bad admin companies, so they'll do, like, tour phantom ties and stuff, but then also go do their wild competitions. Jumping out of a plane isn't risky enough. I need to make it more difficult to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, it, and it looked dangerous. Like, the angle's a little weird from where you're sitting, but they would do these little, it looked like little flips as they were coming in to get to the right spot. And it was, I mean, it was terrifying. And they were fast coming in. Too. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how they get like the insurance. So <laughs> I'd like to see the waiver for that. Bunch. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Did you see anything that was trying to get into the Olympics? We saw Ultimate at the last day, which was fine. I've seen Ultimate before. My sister plays not nearly at this level. But it was a little more entertaining once they were as good as they were. I didn't think it was like the best thing I'd ever seen, but I thought it was okay. I think this is like a a self-refereeing sport. And so every time there was some sort of 
thing that came up about whether there was a foul or who touched what. And everything would stop, and they would talk. And they have these observers who would come out and help them interpret the rules that weren't for specifically not referees. And I thought, this is the kind of thing that if you get on the stage of the Olympics, like someone, some bad faith actor is going to exploit, or it's just not going <laughs> to not going to work as well. I know it's part of the ethos of the sport, but it also really sometimes really ruins the uh, the rhythm of the game. So that was uh, that was interesting to see in action as they you know, we'd stop the game for two minutes while I talked through. Okay, was there a foul or not? And if so, where does the fist go? They're picked on field, and if so, what is the what is the action and things like that? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. We can't call it ultimate frisbee. We have to call it flying disc. Yeah, flying disc. <laughs> and yeah. we were wondering, like, why? Why can't just call it like ultimate disc or something? Why could it be a, a flying disc? That extra flying sounded so clunky. And I, and I would have this on while I was working, so it was kind of out of the corner of my eye. And every once in a while, I would see those games, non referees, who would like be the judge or arbitration person to try and and when i saw because i thought oh they work everything out they self-referee but when i saw that there was somebody on the sidelines to help them talk through the situation that to me says there's a referee in the sport just make it a refereed sport yeah exactly you think i mean you would think that just having somebody make the call and then keep going would be a better option, which I, I realize is heresy for these people who are really into the sport, but <laughs> as an outsider, I thought that uh, many times as they were sitting there in the hot sun while they were talking through the resolutions or whatever, it just happened. Pretty cool up for uh, big dives and things like that. Yeah. That was cool. Someone died for a bit and get it. Because it was kind of a fun sport to watch on TV, I will say that. Good. Yeah, I can't imagine played at a high level. Yeah, it was definitely more entertaining than I was expecting. That one was kind of, we were literally on our way out of town. We thought, well, let's hit a few more things on Saturday. And it was more, it was better than I was, than I was expecting. 20 wasn't enough. You needed more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were thinking, we, were, we live in the D.C. area. We had a long drive over the weekend. We thought, well, we could find something to do on the way back. Or we could just leave later and see, you saw Alternate and Water. Yeah, and that ended up being <laughs> the choice instead. What what else did you like? What else would you recommend if people would go to the World Games? So I was at the the famous sumo night. <gasps> you on that first Saturday. So what was that like in the stadium? It it seemed insane on television. It was wild. Yeah. So it was a cool atmosphere. I mean, people were like into it even before all the the craziness of that particular bout. You know, you think about sumo and you think it's going to be like two big people crashing each other and one falls out and that's it but the matches had all sorts of different characters some were like that but a lot of them were were a lot longer with a lot of clearly different kinds of skills people were using people won in all sorts of different ways it's just wildly entertaining like yeah I, I i like i like watching judo at the olympics and i think sumo may be even top of my list now as far as that kind of uh sport and also like very accessible because the winners are basically whoever whoever touches outside first or falls on the ground first uh without all the extra rules you get in all sorts of other martial arts sports. That was really cool. And then they had the issue where the uh, Egyptian got disqualified, which was tough to understand what's happening in the, the arena. I know uh, everyone said what a great job the announcer did. We couldn't hear the announcer that well. So we could, we saw the backflip and everyone went crazy for it. And then we heard the announcement. I, I didn't realize it was because of the backflip until later. 
he thought maybe oh, there's some sort of pure sumo rule that he did disqualified. And then we had a great view of the coach just going bonkers because he was right sort of below us. And then he was up on the stage and we could hear the announcers like, get off the stage, Sumo, get off the stage. And then booing and shouting Egypt. And the announcer of the rematch and people went nuts. And then the rematch had a close call at the end. It was like wild. And like, people were talking about that throughout the, the week. We had a few times we were talking to people. We said, oh, we're at the Sumo thing on Saturday. I'm like, oh, really? That's, I heard saw what happened. We saw several articles and local uh, websites about it. It was uh, it clearly made, made an impact. But it was also cool because Sumo was one of those sold-out venues and just the energy you could feel from the crowd, and it, it just looked really exciting. It was. Yeah, I think it's probably the first indoor event, I've, sporting event I've been to since uh, the pandemic. And it, I mean, from being away for so long, I don't know, I felt that energy, and people were, were into it and excited and full crowd. And it was, uh, even without the, that one crazy events that people were, were in and the crowd stayed the whole time. It was great, it turns out. Were there, speaking of the pandemic, were there any COVID protocols? It didn't look like any of the fans were really wearing masks. No, I think it was, a lot of places had uh, hand sanitizer, but otherwise, you see a ton of masks inside. I think people that are most likely to mask were people, like other teams, you would see a team from you know, some country all sitting together and they would have their masks on or something, but not a lot of the uh, American spectators uh, wearing masks. And I don't recall anything else that was any uh, any sort of signs I saw or anything like that that had to do with the uh, COVID protocols. So I'm uh, sitting here hoping everything goes okay for me. <laughs> so far, so good. We'll start cheering for your white blood cells, John. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anything else on your list of sports that surprised you? Let's see. We we enjoyed the roller speed skating. We only saw, because the track speed skating, we saw one elimination race and then monsoon. Um, but that one race was fun. So we didn't get to see the Bart Swings race. I got, that was the one that got rained out. But the speed skating was very cool. Looking down my list, canoe polo was just really wild. It's kind of like chaos. So it's like water polo. It's like you got guys around the perimeter kind of passing back and forth to each other and everyone in the middle is just murdering each other. It's just not, it's just chaos. But what's cool about it is they're throwing the, the ball into a, a net. They got all their canoes and then they use the oars also to pick up the ball or flip it to each other. And that part I was not expecting and that was very neat. They horse ball was a little better than I was expecting. I kind of thought it'd be like basketball, but what if you could go behind the net? And so is that really that interesting? But uh, there's no dribbling. And so it's basically all like the passing and the jump shots of basketball, but no like driving to the net or anything like that. And so there's really like intricate movements as like, people try to get open and they're weaving around each other. That was pretty cool. Again, one of those things maybe wouldn't be great on TV, but in person it was pretty fun. Then we saw some water skiing, jumping, and that was nuts. That's like daredevil, crazy, crazy stuff where they, uh, the first time I saw it, I said, oh, it's like ski jumping. I was like, oh, of course it is. It's literally ski jumping. But they get in that same sort of V-shape, but they're doing it over water and they're flying behind a behind a powerboat and getting massive distance. It was they're like just slamming into the water. Like you'd hear that thud when they landed. It was uh, crazy to see it. Like it looks really dangerous. <laughs> yeah, the, the World Games definitely seem to have many more sports at which you could die than the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely. Would you go again? If they were, I mean, not not necessarily to Chengdu, but if they were close enough around again. Definitely. I think so. the sports themselves were fun, right? Because you could go to see all sorts of different things. And being at an event like that was cool. It just a lot of excitement in the air and things going on in the parts of the city that we were in. And the city was busy and just like a fun atmosphere. Also, it's like living in that bubble for a week and then getting out of it and realizing nobody else knows anything about the World Games or has ever heard of it, which is like you just kind of get into it and you hear all the people, all the events people go to and all that. And it's like you're in the moment and then you get out and you realize it's just a very small bubble. But yeah, we would, I would, I would definitely do it again and see some of these sports again, see some of the ones I missed. I'm sure they had subtractions over time. So we'd see what else, what else would come. Did you have a favorite officiating or volunteer job that you would want to do? Because thank you so much for keeping that that thread going on the Facebook group. That was fantastic. It's good. I'm glad you brought it. The moment I saw them sweeping out the sumo, I was like, oh, I got <laughs> I to get a picture of this in case uh, they're on it again for, uh, for this. We're already on it before I even. And then unfortunately, it got like less interesting. It, like The first half of the week, oh, there are all these interesting ones to report back on it by the Second half of the week, it was not as uh, not as interesting. I would say, I don't know if this is all I want to do with the ones of life saving where they had to like scuba dive and put down the uh, the mannequin was pretty unique, and the ones were uh, in in floorball where they are stationed at the corners and actually like tossing balls in. It's, it's a very nonstop game, unlike ice hockey. Like the ball went out and they tossed another ball and they're back at it. And so that was cool. like the the, the, the helpers really had a lot to do to stand their toes to, to toss in the balls when they needed and then to fix all the boards every time they got a skew, which happened, which happened plenty. Very cool. Very cool. Well, John, thank you so much for calling in, and thank you so much for sharing everything on Facebook. You really helped make the whole event so much fun to watch, and we really felt like we got some inside scoop, even though we couldn't be there. Yeah, well, happy to report. It was fun interacting with people online to sort of share the <laughs> the love of these strange, obscure things. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again, John, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, right. John. So I do want to mention, we talked about trampoline before. The spotter was back with the mat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Trampoline mat spotter was back. So my my motherly role to protect these little girls, they're not little girls. They're like grown-ups and they're fabulous. But, you know, I don't care if you're 40, you're still my child that I'm going to be like, "No. No injury. Be safe. Please don't jump out of an airplane." Speaking of ages, one thing I loved about the acrobatics was the fact that some of the women were what we would say on the older side of the sport, especially the Belgian team, which was 29, 21, and 17. Now, that's a huge age difference to put a team together and how you find that camaraderie. But I loved the fact that there was somebody who was at a world-class level in the sport of gymnastics at age 29. That was fantastic. Well, the women, especially the bases, tended to be older because they need to be fully developed. They need to be strong. And they need to be mature enough to handle that. And then the flyers were the little munchkins that <laughs> weigh nothing. Oh, my God. The Israeli girl flyer, if she weighed 65 pounds, I would be surprised. They were all of them were just incredible. But I was so happy to see 
just different ages, different body types, all in the sport that we, from our watching of the Olympics, and because we don't cover gymnastics or I don't know some of these disciplines very well, all I see is the same body type. And we're told that, especially from dealing with the 1970s and the Belli Caroli and Eastern European era of coaching that you needed to be a stick and a twig and that's not the case there are disciplines and well even artistic gymnastics now needs to have you have to have a really strong body to do these tricks but it was great to see that the sport is for more people than just people who are four foot eight and 85 pounds don't eat <laughs> makes me mad did you watch the closing ceremonies i did what was the american idol redux going on no i didn't know so many of them were from alabama I was, what is going on here a lot it was very alabama which we talked we talked about this in tokyo and we talked about this in beijing i love when the ceremonies are very much of the place but it was long yeah, it it did feel long. There was a lot of getting people on and off stage, and I thought, oh, boy, this is long. And then I realized, oh, this is probably commercial break time. And we were watching a stream, so we weren't getting commercial breaks. I loved the fact that the volunteers got to walk in the stadium, just like the athletes did. Yes. That was a beautiful touch. And we know the volunteers at these events work so incredibly hard. And these kids had such heat to deal with and so much outside. So they, they deserve that honor. And did you love when I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but the president of the IWGA, Jose Herrera Lopez, sweet home Alabama. <laughs> I love Birmingham. Oh, he was fantastic. He is actually was a competitor in canoe sprint. In oh, his- okay. So yes, he was, just lovely and it seemed like the games did go off smoothly yeah and i think birmingham it looked like they did an overall really good job with what they had well they could not have managed the heat but i think having more shade would have helped and and probably misters but i think these games looked really good on tv and the mayor was all over the place. He was great. He was so excited. Crowds were into it. Like we said, the softball crowd was fantastic. I will say a little beef sliding in because listener Brittany was with her family and there were some accessibility issues to venues and having to walk further than some of her party could manage. And that was really tough to try to get around and deal with that, which is not great. And tra- issues she mentioned too that they had some and we know about that yeah (laughs) i don't think you can have a multi-sport event without having some kind of transportation and i don't understand why i i really don't understand why at this point we haven't figured out how to move people i have no idea but that aside i think the sports were a lot of fun to watch it was a lot to learn and it they were really cool for a hot minute, I did not know if Lionel Richie was going to make it to the stage. I was so confused. They kept saying, Lionel Richie is coming. Lionel Richie is coming. And, and I'm like, okay, you've been saying that the whole show. Is this 
just mythical? <laughs> is he going to appear as a hologram? What is happening? And then it was like, yeah, he's still coming. Just hold on. And he wanted to go, Lionel, you're ready back there? Come on, let's go. Was he trapped in a gondola in some mountain someplace? What was happening? And was then, he going to parachute out of the... And then the poor guy just wore the all-night-long bomber jacket, satin, probably with a long shirt, long sleeve shirt underneath it because he dresses, he knows how to dress, and he was so sweaty by the end of the first number that <laughs> he's like, oh boy, I don't know if I can get through the next two, boy. <laughs> yes, Bo Bice had like a velvet blazer. There was, there was a lot of men wearing weather-inappropriate clothing, which I can understand you want to look chic, but please don't pass out. We were waiting for him all night long. <laughs> Two other points. We do have to talk about the commentator because poor Ben Ben thought they were in Spain, the commentators, and were watching the feed. But no, these two were actually there because they kept talking about the amount of shrimp and grits that they ate all week long. But, I mean, did the man who was from New Zealand, did he come after your heart when he started calling it the Mexican wave that went around the stadium? No, he came after my heart when he said Ruben stuttered was the first winner of American Idol. <laughs> oh, no. That is Kelly Clarkson, young man. You clearly do not have a research department who is fact-checking you. <laughs> but what I loved was that the orchestra did the wave as well. <laughs> when it got to their point in the stadium, they just like, we're keeping it going. Meanwhile, when we're all at, in Beijing, sitting in the journalist's media area, the wave would be going around the stadium and it would just kind of stop because none of the journalists wanted to get, you'd get a couple that would go up, but then it would like, it would wait an appropriate amount of time and then they'd pick it up again because they'd go, it's about, okay, it would kind of get here right about now. Let's go. They, they really had their wave technology and timing down, down very well. We, we do have to talk about the presentation from Chengdu. Which Chengdu, China, will be the hosts in 2025. A lot better than Milan Cortina's presentation. <laughs> well, at first, when it was just the one female dancer doing a modern piece, I thought, oh, this is like the Milan Cortina presentation in that they just bring two people or one person out and that's their show. But then they brought out the spunky troupe of dancers, hip-hop dancers, and that made me so happy because I like... When I'm watching it, I was just like, oh, I could go for some Chinese variety television channel right now. And they brought it. <laughs> but then they brought out the mascot, <laughs> oh. which I described as the dollar store Bing Duen Duen. He is a panda. I guess he's supposed to be cute, but his head was not quite on his body and his eyes were kind of bulging. He he looked scared and confused. And he had a t his shirt was like had shrunk in the wash. It was like a tank top that said Chengdu on it. It came about to just under his chest and then his belly just went out because it's a big bottomed panda. So he can wiggle, I guess, when he walks. <laughs> it just looked like my tank top shrunk in the wash. I don't know what to do. I'm in this foreign country with all these weird people. What's going It's hotter than blazes in this costume. What is going on? But 
I will be curious to see what happens in Chengdu. Hi, it's Jill and Allison from Keep the Flame Alive. Who's this? Hi, it's John. Hi, John. Hey! What did you see? I know some guys on the U.S. football team, and they reached out to me back in January, basically saying, hey, help. Like, we don't have any, like, boots on the ground kind of stuff. Like, they didn't have essentially like what a team manager would do. And they asked if I would be interested. And I was, I worked with them a little bit about the process, what, like, what I would exactly be doing, how much would it cost, all that stuff, how do I get credentials. So I worked with them, and I ended up, when it was all said and done, working with them on their social media, like just updating their Instagram and Twitter while they were playing. A lot of manager stuff like water and ice and talking to doctors, which there's a story with that, and just booking practice time when they would eat, things like that. So a lot of just managerial work. So I was doing that for both the men's and women's So that basically took up almost all of my time. Because that was a long tournament. It was. So they got down there July 7th. For, they were all there for the opening ceremony, which they said was very cool. The flag bearers were, the, the, the male was a fistballer and the female was a flying disc athlete. So they shared the, those duties. They said it was very cool, but they didn't actually play till the 10th. So they were down there for about two, two or three holes competition and then the gold medal match was the 14th wow yes so i got down that friday and it was i, I will say the birmingham southern college where the fistball tournament was held along with there was karate and wushu at the basketball arena they have which was very good it was very awesome it was awesome the facilities where the athletes stayed where the athletes ate where they played where they practiced was way better than Roslov in Poland in 2017. Every athlete had their own individual rooms. There was a suite and there was a common room, four bedrooms and a bathroom. Yeah, I told you when I was in Poland, we had just like these little tiny beds and showers that we couldn't fit in. But the dining hall was was way better. The food was, I mean, obviously it was very Americanized. They always had like a catch of the day, whether it was cod or tilapia. They had vegetarian options. They also had like burgers and pizza if you wanted to veg out if you weren't playing. That was all really well done and taken care of. Lots of security. Security was everywhere, all over the campus. I had to, I wasn't allowed to stay with the athletes. I had an Airbnb they set me up with, and I had to flash my badge every time I entered. I took a Uber every day there. And I was there pretty much from 7 a.m. to like 9 p.m. almost every day. So in that sense, the facilities were awesome. The security was awesome. They made sure that all the athletes were taken care of. They did their best to hydrate us, even volunteers. They were just, there was always someone going around who was, you need water, you need water, you need ice, you need Powerade, because it was, it was ungodly hot. It was wild how hot it was. We actually had a girl passed out against New Zealand in the middle of the third set because it was so hot. So that was pretty wild. And I read somewhere there was like 400 heat-related illnesses that happened during the World Games. One of the listeners, it might have been Brittany, posted it and posted that in the Facebook group too, where it just, it did sound brutal. And it didn't sound like there were a lot of venues outdoors that did not have a lot of shades for spectators. I saw some tents on the side for participants in some places. But yeah, I mean, how do you deal with that humidity and still compete at the level you want to compete at? 
totally understand that like it falls in the international calendar and there's not a whole lot you can do, especially with all the other events that, I mean, you get getting pushed back here in the first place. You have the world athletics championships at the same time. It's, I totally get that, but it was really bad. I went through three or four shirts every day. I was outside the whole entire day. We would have practices and, and trainings and it was really, really, really hot. I mean, not, the average temperature was 97 with a real feel of like 105 most days. We wow. went to a lot of sunscreen, a lot of sunscreen. <laughs> Holy cow. What, so, so what is your doctor story? Oh, so that, that, so the doctor story, so there's the warm-up fields were on one side of campus and the main field where the soccer stadium is at Birmingham Southern is on the other side. So we had to take a, a shuttle. We basically have to, that was one of my jobs, make sure the shuttle would come 15 minutes before match so we can get up there, players can get introduced, all that good stuff. And once I get all the, the players up there, get off the shuttle, I grab, I grab what I need, ice water, and then I have to go meet the physician, the doctor. And it was this guy, his name was Daniel. He's a physician. I know he, he told me he graduated from Auburn, but I don't know where he works right now. He's a really nice guy. But I just would always go to introduce myself, say, hey, I'm John. I'm with the U.S. team. I'm their manager. If you need anything, just let me know. Before I need you, he's like, I got you. And um, it was funny. We were just talking. He's, it, so the U.S. girls were playing New Zealand at 145 in the fifth place that matched. The girls go up 2 nothing, two, two sets to nothing against New Zealand. They're rolling. And then the third set goes, and goes, goes a little long. The girls lose. It was close. I'm not sure if it went to extra points or not, but um, if this ball matches go to 11, if it's tied, you have to win But the first one to 15 after 11. But I'm not sure if it, gets, it goes that far, but it's long. And it's kind of just like volleyball or tennis. After the set, you switch sides. And we're, we're, we're switching sides. And I, I see at the corner of my eye, one of our girls, she just keels over. She just keels over. And I'm just like, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And he, he came right out there. And he, because it was weird, because we were joking, like, yeah, we're going to be fine. We're not going to, no, no heat problems today. And he was right on it. And he was great. They got her carted off the field, put her in an ice bath, gave her an IV, and she was good as new. The problem was with the match, the girls end up losing the match. And the um, IFA officials, the fistball officials, they just kind of ushered our girls right back on the pitch, like right back on the field. A lot of our girls were like, where is, you know, I'm not going to say her name, but where is she? Like, where is she? And we're like, I'm like, the doctor has her. She'll be fine. And they're just like, we're going to play right now. Who's going to go in for her? And they just, they just push because they, they have a schedule. Like and our games are, are stacked on top of each other in like hour, 15 minute increments. So they kind of pushed our girls back out there and New Zealand crushed them in the fourth set and they lost in the fifth set. So that was kind of disheartening a little bit. Oh, that is too bad. That is too bad. I, it's incredible that the Heat only got one person, to be quite honest, in, on the teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the Heat, I mean, it was definitely, definitely, definitely bad. I know in the one of the men's matches, when it, when that one that went five sets, they gave him like a 10-minute cooling break before the fifth set. So, I mean, I guess they were somewhat aware of it. I mean, I, you have to be aware of it if you're standing out there. So, I don't, I, again, I don't know what you do about it, like, it's just one of those things that falls international calendar. It is what it is. So, how did the teams feel about their performances, and how do they feel about being on the world stage? Fistball, not 
incredibly popular in America. No. So I'm pretty close to some of the guys on the team and there's only about 15 guys who actually play seriously. That's it in the whole country. And 10 of them were there and they finished 10th out of 18 teams at the 2019 world championships. So they were really looking to improve on that performance. They definitely circled the Italy game. So that in group play, they had to go against Brazil who ended up winning the bronze medal and Austria who ended up getting fourth place and Austria is pretty good. And then Italy, Italy was their like their third match and Italy is okay. Italy got like sixth or seventh at the 2019 world championship. So that was the game they really circled. And, um, the girls circled the New Zealand game. The girls knew that Switzerland and Austria who in their group play, wasn't really going to happen, but they knew that they could handle New Zealand and both teams fell short of that goal. So they were really, really, really distraught and disheartened by that. Um, you could just kind of tell, like, that was their gold medal game, if you know what I mean. Like, they knew going into the tournament they weren't going to medal, but they really wanted to, you know, at least take one of those games, and they weren't able to. But you can definitely tell that these guys play with, a, like, a passion. They also know that this was a chance to grow the sport a little bit. I know from working with their Facebook page and their Instagram page, they already I've already had like three or four messages from guys who watched the world games, like, Hey, how do I get involved? So that in itself is a moral victory, just getting more and more people familiar with the sport. Nice. It is nice when that happens and people reach out and they're excited by what they see. And it's just getting that opportunity to see sports like the sports in the world games program. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, from your first episode on the world games, you're absolutely, there's two levels to the world games. There's the sports that are trying to get into the Olympics, such as flying discs. And then there's the sports that are just trying to get more popular, get more familiar. And this ball falls in that second category. We will never, this will probably never be an Olympic sport. None of the countries play it, but here's our chance to be on the world stage a little bit. And that world game gives them that opportunity, which is really nice. Nice. Did you get to do anything besides fistball? I had one night off, and that was that was Monday the eleventh. Was my only night off, and I went to five football. I saw Italy play Germany, and I saw Austria play Mexico, and I saw the U.S. women play France. So there's two fields. There's two games going on at the same time, which was kind of confusing. And it was actually kind of bothered me a little bit that the U.S. women were playing France and Mexico's playing like Austria or or, no, Mexico's playing Germany, I think. And the PA announcer is just covering the Mexico-Germany game. And I'm just like, well, we're in America. Why, why aren't we watching? Why can't the PA? Like he totally wasn't even acknowledging it. Like, I want to hear what's happening in the girls' game because it's on the other side of the field. They kind of gave the men, like, field one and the women field two, which, oh, you know. shocking. It's kind of crappy. Yeah. But, you know, you're sitting there, and you're just like, well, this is in the United States. I get, I get for time's sake, you have two games going on, but why can't we? I want to hear what's happening in the women's, the U.S. women's game. I don't really care about Mexico and Germany. Germany was terrible. <laughs> so, like, it was a blowout. Like, it was 36 to nothing, and there, he's still saying so-and-so complete the pass for a first down. He was a good public address announcer. He definitely is some guy Legion Field uses when they have their 
pro or college games there for sure. Um, but I guess he was told to do field one only. So that was what did you think of the game and the quality of the play? I didn't see enough of the men's game to get a real feel. I, I could just tell that Germany and Austria, they just weren't on par with Mexico at all. Mexico looked really good. Just Germany and Austria had a lot of just basic, like simple mistakes, like dropping passes, not playing defense. It just seemed like they almost didn't like know how to play. And I think that's kind of what flag is kind of pushed is getting that push because it's an easier game to learn than tackle. Of course it is. And it has skills that can translate a little faster and easier. I think we can see at the men's level, it's not quite as global as we want it to be just yet. Italy did get a silver medal, which was surprising. But the women's game, the women lost to Mexico, and they only beat Austria by like three points in the semifinal. So the women's game is a lot closer than the men's game is right now, which the IOC wants to see competitiveness, and that's going to be a big thing going into their bid in 2028. And I'd be interested to know how many of those Italian players are actually American-born. Yeah, you know, I don't know if there was a whole lot of them who were who were American-born. I know Israel didn't wasn't at the World Games. I know they're a country that normally has a lot of American-born athletes, and they probably would be really good at bike football for that reason. But um, wasn't too sure. I didn't, I didn't really look at a roster. I can probably go. The World Games has a really good results database. That is like it's like a top tier results database. It's, it's actually surprising how good it is. And you can go back and you can see everything about whoever played, how many minutes they played, how many goals they scored or passes they caught or laps they ran. It's it's really good. So you could probably check that out and, and get back to you on that one. Excellent. So what's with you and football going forward? Or is, was this a hey a, a nice opportunity and maybe help you out in the future sometime? I just kind of wanted to be involved. Like, I wanted to be involved in the World Games. I knew so they took away American football, and I kind of realized that. And there's no kicking in flag football, so there's no no shot there. And I was like, well, let me just see what's out there. And I knew I knew guys from the football team. So football only really happens in three parts of the United States, and it's very popular. Well, I won't say very popular. They play it in Jackson, Wisconsin. They play it in Flanders, New Jersey, which is like northern New Jersey. New York suburbs, and they play it in, just outside of Philadelphia. So it's kind of three spots. And my friend Corey, who I've been in touch with since the 2017 World Games, basically, he kind of was like, yeah, come out and try, come out and try. And I went out and tried last summer, and I was absolutely terrible. And it hurt. Those balls hurt. You're, you kind of hit your off your forearm more so than your fist. It didn't feel great. So <laughs> they were just like, so you're familiar with the World Games. We could really use like a logistics guy, a social media guy. Can you come down with us? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's a good chance to be involved. I don't know what my next step is with them. I think it was just something that was it was nice to do. And I mean, they were, they were a host quota filler, so I really don't see them. I mean, who knows? Hopefully they, they do get to Chengdu, but they have to place in like the top eight in the next world championships to do so. And I'm not sure. We'll see. Fingers crossed they do, but that's going to be a big challenge for them. Interesting. We will keep an eye on fistball come Chengdu time and see how it goes. Well, it's funny. It's, it's, a, it's a quick turnaround. It's, it's three years' time. And there were a lot of, just like it was in, in Poland, just a lot of IOC people there just looking for. And I was trying to explain this to some friends today. Like, yes, the next Olympics is in 2024, but that program's already. Like, this World Games 
the 2022 World Games is for 2028 Los Angeles. Like, there's a ton of those people there seeing what's going to fit the bill. So the Chengdu Games in 2025, that program for LA is already going to be set. So it's going to be a whole different, and that's one of the things of the World Games, it's going to be a whole different set of sports. Not, not a whole different, but a lot of sports will be different and a lot of sports will be new at the World Games in 2025. Which is kind of interesting because the 2025 Games will be for really for Olympics 2032, and they're not that far geographically from each other. So LA was probably very happy to only have to travel to Birmingham. Yeah. Especially, sure. especially in COVID times still. So... so- Speaking of COVID, there was literally every – so when you get try to get your credentials, you have to show you're vaccinated. So there was like the whole big thing about being vaccinated, but there was no mask policy. And then you kind of the wearing masks more and more. So day one dining hall, no mask. By my like sixth day, I would say about 25% of the athletes were wearing masks. And then you look at – weird that Austria only has eight of their 10 guys. Why are they missing two? They tested positive and they're out the whole entire tournament. The whole entire Austrian delegation at BSC was wearing masks after two of their athletes tested positive. That was, it was a really, really, really interesting thing to kind of see. No one ever told you to wear a mask. No one ever told you to be careful, but you could tell there's definitely spiking cases. Wow. That's really interesting, and you could just you can tell, especially. I mean, there's no testing protocols like we went through, but when you can see that just kind of ripple through, you're like, oh, okay, it's still around. There's still some risk here. Yeah, and I mean, for a short tournament like that, where your whole world games is four days, you test positive, you're done, and that's really that is tough. Well, John, thank you so much for calling in. We really appreciate it. We're glad you got to go down. Glad you got to be involved. And thank you so much. It's nice to have the Shuklistani perspective. Of course. And my, my final take will be, it is way better to be an athlete than it is to be a worker. <laughs> <laughs> that is my final take. It is way better to be an athlete than to work the event. It sounds like you did eat better this time. Oh, my gosh. I ate so much better this time. <laughs> so much better <laughs> that's what's really important so. did, did you get any decent souvenirs so i got a, a a bag from the brazilian football team that was pretty much it there was the, a lot of the athletes did pin trading which wasn't something in poland so there's a lot of pins to be traded i have my ship pin i wasn't trading that but i got like shirts and stuff from usa football but i didn't really trade them I, I just got a, a cool bag from brazil which hanging up on my wall so that was nice very cool yeah excellent well, john thank you again and uh, we appreciate it like I, I this has been i mean i was surprised at how much fun i had watching the world games and, and i'm really i was really excited to log into facebook every night and just see everyone else just being so excited about it because four years ago in Poland, like no one really even mentioned it. I think being in the United States helped a lot, but it's just really nice to see that it's, it's growing. And hopefully one day when I tell people that I play in the world game, I won't have to give them this whole explanation about how it's like the Olympics and then go into it. But I think I definitely think being in the United States definitely helped 
popularity of it. Yeah, I, we hope so. I think it would be a nice compliment to the Olympics and another way it, because the power of multi-sport events is so big that you don't realize it until you start watching them or you're in them and you see all of the interaction with countries and you see all these sports that you don't know and it just makes you and when you see some good sportsmanship you really feel good inside it's really one of those things where like you have feelings and even though i wasn't an athlete this time around you just just being there you have these like feelings and emotions that like it's just wild sometimes to think that like you're sitting there and there's someone from Senegal, like right across from you. Like it's just really, it's a really cool feeling. And it's something that you really only get at these, at these, events. whether you're a fan or an athlete or a volunteer, it's just like a very special feeling. Excellent. Well, take care, John. Don't be a stranger. And we will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> okay. you. So thank you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you all for making it so much fun to go on the Facebook group every day. It, it really was a blast hanging out there. And I have to say, one of the things I really loved about watching the multi-sport events was watching some of the sportsmanship. Oh, absolutely. And so many things we hadn't seen before, so many things that we sort of were familiar with. Love all the things that they're talking about for LA 2028. We got to see lacrosse. We got to see flag football. My softball heart was so happy with that game and that tournament. And it was unexpected, I have to say, how much fun this was. Yes, yes. In a way, going in, not knowing what these games are, and you're looking at some of the sports and you're reading up on them and going, huh, this does not sound like a very popular sport especially a lot of them are not popular in america so we don't have much background in them but so many of these sports were very surprising to me and how much i enjoyed watching absolutely so we haven't even talked about artistic roller skating so i got glitter i got beads i got spangles and sparkles and flips i got gelled hair i got the whole thing so I'm ready with my beads and my bangles, and I'm going to be practicing my handstands. So start working on those neck muscles. (laughs) Okay, I can do that. (laughs) That's going to do it for this week. Let us know your thoughts about the World Games. You can get in touch with us by email at flamealivepod at gmail.com. Call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. Our social handle is at Flame Alive Pod. And be sure to join the Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook and look back at all the fantastic World Games posts. And, and also the World Athletics Championships because we've had people there as well and there's some chatter going on about those too. So it's all exciting all in the Facebook group. Next week is going to be two years to go till Paris. So join us then for some excitement and looking ahead to the next games that we will cover. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. <laughs>